Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Samuels is Wrong. That's what you're here for. That's what we're all here for. We are not jumping straight. It's my segment. I, it's the it's what we do first, so I'm introducing it. Yeah, well, we're going to introduce the podcast first. This is Samuels versus Schlanger, football, fantasy, and other sports. You are in the right place. I am Leighton Samuels, and I am Leighton Schlanger, and it is time for my favorite segment, Samuels is Wrong. Okay, all right, go ahead, take it away. So, first of all, in the last podcast, you mentioned that Clyde Edwards-Alaire had 23 rushing attempts, when really, he had 25 rushing attempts. That's it? Yeah, but that's, that's an egregious fault that you made there with your... Friggin' stats, that's an easy stat. You should have just just done it right. Well, I was right about a lot of other things. Um, I was right about a lot of unfortunate things, and I really wish I was wrong about this. Um, we have had running back injuries pile up. We did not have as many wide receiver injuries, thank goodness. But I was honestly, <laughs> we were going to go into this, and I was actually, I was I was going to go into this, and I was going to tell Samuels how wrong he was about there being running back injuries, uh, but then we got to Monday Night Football, and a lot of, you know, we lost James Conner to an ankle, apparently Philip Lindsay has a foot issue, and while, while the James Conner injury is supposedly not a big deal, Clearly, you see why he was, why Benny Snell as his handcuff was a tier two handcuff for us from our podcast last week. A very, very important podcast to have. Podcast. I, I think I think you meant to say a very important uh, handcuff to have. I, that's what I meant. That's what I said. I said that. No, you didn't say that because we have it recorded that you said a very important podcast to have. Well, this is a very important podcast to have. So you know to grab Benny Snell as a very important handcuff because I can guarantee you at this point, if you own James Conner in your league and you do not have Benny Snell, you better have one of the top waiver positions because he is going to be the first player off of those waivers. And that is actually a great point, uh, Schlanger. Whether you do or do not have James Conner, get Benny Snell right now. Um, going into a couple of the other injuries, Philip Lindsay, obviously he was he was kind of the 1B to Melvin Gordon's 1A, so there's nothing really to do there. Um, but then you have your boy, you have Le'Veon Bell. My boy, I didn't... I, I drafted him in one league, and, and that was a mistake. You may see Samuels is wrong. He drafted Le'Veon Bell, who does not have... He has. He has. He actually does have a clear handcuff. Well, but it's it's Frank Gore. What are you going to do with Frank Gore? Frank Gore is going to run the ball like three times, and then the Jets are going to be down by 18 points in the second quarter, and then he's never going to run the ball again. And I hate it when I agree with you, but... I do agree with you, and that is why, again, when, when going back to the last podcast, uh, we had Frank Gore as like one of those tier three handcuffs, not the most worthy of being on your roster. And even now, with Le'Veon Bell injured, if you are in a twelve-team or ten-team league, I I still don't think it's worth picking up Frank Gore. Um, but that's not all. We still have Marlon Mack, and we were talking about kind of the 1A, 1B with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor, 
it's all Jonathan Taylor now, and that guy, that guy's a, a running back one. He is, if you had both of those guys, or if you just had Jonathan Taylor, you have now gotten the steal of the draft, of the fantasy draft. I honestly, no, I don't fully agree with that, bro, because Naheem Hines still exists. Well, yes, but, but Naheem Hines is, is a purely pass-catching back, and Jonathan Taylor, as we learned back in college, is adept at passing catch, passing catches, catching pass, catching passes, catching passes is the words you're looking for. You're you're embarrassing yourself. Well, yes, Jonathan Taylor is adept at catching passes. Yes, but and and this is the point I was going to make before you were having trouble with with the language that is your native language. We talked about how rookie running backs are going to need some more time to get accustomed to the NFL, and a big part of that is their pass protection assignments. Now, Naheem Hines has been the passing down back for the Colts for the past two years, or three years, something like that, but he is well adept in protecting the quarterback on passing downs. And you know that Phillip Rivers needs that because boy, does that guy take sacks. So Naheem Hines isn't going anywhere. Jonathan Taylor is going to be a two down back. Naheem Hines is going to get a lot of the third down work. And you're talking about the quarterback that made Austin Eckler the Chargers pass catching back last year, the number four running back in fantasy. So he's going to do not the same thing for Naheem Hines. I don't think Naheem Hines is a top 10 running back by any means, but I think Naheem Hines is a top 25 running back. And I think that doesn't leave room for Jonathan Taylor to be the top 10 running back that you are saying he is. If you are saying he is an RB1, you are saying he is a top 10 running back. So you have a good point there, but I think by week six, seven, eight, what you're saying, these rookies will catch on. Like you have Cam Akers, who's already the starting running back in Los Angeles. And that, that proves my point. The, the Rams, we're talking about the Los Angeles Rams, not the Los Angeles Chargers. I can't believe we have to make that distinction. How did we go from zero Los Angeles football teams to two Los Angeles football teams over the course of like two years? It's, it's insane. But anyways, Cam Akers, sure, is the starting running back. But... Malcolm Brown is getting more work because Malcolm Brown is is already up to snuff on those pass protections. And and I'm saying that Cam Akers will get there. Like Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, they're going to have workhorse roles by the middle of the season. At least Jonathan Taylor. You're saying the same thing about about Justin Jefferson. You you are banking a lot on rookies hitting their strides later on this season. I am, and I am very hopeful that they do so. Do you have anything else for your favorite Samuels is Wrong segment? Well, uh, you still, you, you didn't say, you, you said there would be a lot of injuries, and clearly there weren't that many because we've just covered it in like a seven-minute section. Okay, well then <laughs> I'll go through some more. Um, because we have Devontae Parker who's dealing with a hamstring. We have George Kittle who's dealing with a knee issue. But that wasn't George Kittle's. That wasn't like, 
that wasn't a COVID related, a a a shortened off season related injury. That was Jimmy Garoppolo being a garbage quarterback and not being able to hit his massive tight end and throwing it way up in the air. It doesn't. It, I I know how it happened, and I'm just as frustrated as you because we have a share of Kittle on our fantasy. I don't care about your fantasy team. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, moving on from Kittle, we also have Duke Johnson, who we talked about on Thursday. Blake Jarwin's out for the season with an ACL. Michael Thomas twisted his ankle. Michael Thomas will be back, though. Like, I'm not... I'm not then, then there's Gerald, Gerald Everett and David Njoku's probably out for the season. Then you have even a kicker. You have Randy Bullock. Like, these injuries are affecting everyone, and I think... I mean, hopefully that hopefully we're done, but I don't know if we are, and we'll see come week two. We've already had two high-profile injury-risk running backs have their workloads uh, diminished for the first week. Now, granted, you you might not have noticed because Chris Carson still scored 24.6 fantasy points, but he did so on only 12 touches. Dalvin Cook scored his 17-plus fantasy points in 14 touches. These are not the full workloads for these workhorse backs. And hopefully, once we see them get those workloads, they stay healthy. I think that's it for injuries. Yeah, yeah, I don't like talking about them either. They're 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 real downers. Yeah, and just remember, fantasy players, for how bummed you might be when a player gets injured, I can promise you those players are even more bummed. Do not take to Twitter. That's not okay. Anyway, let's get to happier football news. Let's get to some non-injury-related football news because, boy, oh, boy, we had a busy Sunday and Monday night, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, nah, nah, you say it. Okay, hit the drop. This is the drop. This is the drop. This is the drop. Samuels versus Schlanger. Oh, this is going to be brutal. All right, let's kick this off with some Seahawks-wide receivers. Who? I mean, you have Tyler Lockett, who caught eight passes. He got all eight of his targets for friggin'. I, I have the stat right here. He caught all, all eight of his targets for 92 yards. Then you have DK Metcalf, who only caught four of his targets, but for 95 yards, plus he got the touchdown. Yeah, and it's it is it really is a question, personally. Every single time we talk about Tyler Lockett, we're like, man, there's no way he could possibly maintain that efficiency. I mean, this is the kind of thing that Tyler Lockett does. He catches 90, 95% of his targets from, from Russell Wilson. It's really insane. And clearly, with the eight targets and, and the, <laughs> the lower um, yards per catch average, he is, he is the possession receiver. He is the guy that Russell Wilson goes to. And I think that is where you find consistency in fantasy football. I would rather have the guy, I would rather have Tyler Lockett, who, (laughs) given the role, he should be scoring anywhere from 10 to 20 points per game, than DK Metcalf, who might score more than 20 points, but he also might get quite a few single-digit games this season. You see, and I I don't think that that's the case, because Tyler Lockett is actually that guy. Like, sure, in theory, you'd think that Tyler Lockett would be the one to have that consistent production, but he doesn't. And I mean, neither does DK Metcalf. I don't know what it is about the Seahawks offense, but 
DK Metcalf is going to get so many more end zone targets. And I know touchdowns are a hard stat to chase, but it seems pretty obvious here that DK Metcalf is the guy they're gonna he's going to get the long touchdown passes. Russ is one of the best deep throw deep throw. Man, we're both effing up our English today. Yes, we are. The, the DK Russell Wilson is one of the best deep ball passers in the game. DK Metcalf is his deep ball guy. I would rather have DK Metcalf on my team at this point. And that is a good we what we are seeing is we are seeing fourth quarter Russell Wilson right now. Like, but for the whole game, he was their leading rusher. And, uh, and again, we just talked about how, how Chris Carson was limited in his touches. He only had six carries. Carlos Hyde had seven. Russell Wilson only had three. But they were for 29 yards. Well, yeah, but one of those was 28 yards. I don't think that, like, because I know Russell Wilson was the leading rusher for Seattle in 2017. I mean, crazy stat, right? Right? Like, how is a quarterback your leading rusher? Like, that baffling. But Russell Wilson did it. And this, this, I don't think that this is it. He had one 28-yard rush, obviously, that's going to boost his stats. He is not going to be the leading rusher in Seattle this year. But still, the point is, Russell Wilson is being allowed to do Russell Wilson things. And I think this is going to be a lot pass-heavy, a lot more pass-heavy of an offense than we are accustomed to. Moving on to Buffalo, we <laughs> we actually might have a, a situation here where uh, the leading rusher for the season is the quarterback. I, I don't know how that's possible because Josh Allen told the media that he doesn't want to run the ball as much this year. Plus, they got not one, but two really good running backs in Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. But it's just, I don't, I don't know if they, they even know what to do with them. Like, this was a game where they beat the New York Jets 27-17. Devin Singletary got 9 carries. Zach Moss got 9 carries. Zach Moss averaged 1.2 yards per carry. Devin Singletary was 3.3. Like, these are below average. Josh Allen, as the quarterback, couldn't even average more than 4.1 yards per carry. Like, for some reason, the Buffalo Bills, which has at least recently been built on their strong defense and their running game can't can't run the ball they can't run the ball so i still like zach moss going forward but devin singletary ain't going anywhere so i mean it's one of those 1a 1b situations that we don't like because we don't know who's going to be the guy or or if josh allen is just going to get all the, i mean josh allen was the only one with the rushing touchdown so yeah, who knows? But speaking of Josh Allen, he was very fantasy productive in this game. Dude puts up 25 fantasy points. And like you said, a lot was with his legs with the 57 yards and the touchdown. But he also threw for over 300 yards for the first time in his career. He didn't throw any interceptions. He's just weird. He's just like, he's, because he's not good by any means. Though I wouldn't say that he is, but... But he certainly looked good-ish. No, but that's a, no, no, no. That's a lie. He doesn't look good. And that's that's the deceptive thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't he doesn't look good, but he puts up at least good fantasy points. And we're gonna take this with a grain of salt. It was against the Jets. 
Um, but it is promising for Stefan Diggs in his first game as a Bill to get eight receptions for 86 yards and nine targets. Yeah, but J- John Brown also isn't going anywhere, so we're in another situation, like their running back situation, where I don't think there's going to be a running back one or a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two. It's going to be based on whatever Josh Allen feels like as to whether John Brown or Stefan Diggs is the guy for the day. Okay, my turn to move on. Moving on to the Patriots. And we talked a little bit about the Patriots when we were talking about Tom Brady in our very first episode of Samuels versus Schlanger. And we're going to actually talk about the Patriots this time instead of the Buccaneers. Now, the Patriots, believe it or not, once they left, let Tom Brady go, they became even more of a rushing team. 42 total rushes, 19 total passes. And I don't need to tell you how rare that is in modern-day football in a passing league. And it's not like the New England Patriots were were ahead by by 20 points the entire game. Like they won the game 21 to 11. Like that's not a huge lead, but they just pounded the ball. Now is Cam Newton going to get 15 carries every single game? I don't think so. But he might. He he is going to get a lot. I think the Patriots want him to be an intelligent dual threat quarterback I think they want to focus on the run game and let their defense win games it's the Patriot way they just happen to have Tom Brady who was extremely good at what he did along the way but they want to use Cam Newton as a runner I would argue that if there is one thing that Bill Belichick and the Patriots historically have done for players is take what they do best and make them do that thing the best and they're, they're going to make sure that Cam Newton is safe. He, he, he took a few hits in this game. But I would not be surprised if he gets 10-plus carries in quite a few games this season. I, I think they're going to protect him. I mean, this is the New England Patriots. They, they, they are smart. If nothing else, they, they are extremely intelligent and... Cam Newton is well known to have some injury risk. So I think this was a statement game for them. I think that they want people to worry about Cam as a runner for the entire season. And there is no better way to do that than knowing that you have the Miami Dolphins in game one. And you can run Cam against them. And then he's going to be, in in coaches' minds, a threat for the rest of the season while he sits back, makes good throws. He was 15 of 19 in this. He he did, he, he had a pretty decent game. He, he didn't throw the ball down the field too much. He only had 8.2 yards per attempt. But Tom, Tom Brady didn't do that when he was with the Patriots, really. He was not a deep ball kind of guy. And, I, and Cam Newton's not going to have to be either. Now... He's, he's going to, to rely on Julian Edelman. He's going to need to rely on Nikhil Harry, who had a terrible fumble this game. But, and you know, you know how much uh, how much Bill Belichick doesn't like fumbles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, he's going to need to be 
a lot more reliable for the rest of this season. On the other side of the, you know what, you can take the Dolphins because you're as lame as they are. <laughs> um, well, the Dolphins might be might have had a lame game for sure, but you had some promising signs, and they're all injured now. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, is Devontae Parker has a hamstring injury. He's going to take some time to recover from that. Preston Williams is coming off of an ACL, so you know that he's not 100%. Jordan Howard uh, went out with an injury for a little bit. He came back in and scored a touchdown, but he only went seven yards on eight carries. Like, okay, you're right. There's not a whole lot to get excited about here in Miami. But if I were to have someone in this offense... Well, it would be Mike Gusecki. But if I were to have a wide receiver in this offense, honestly, I think Preston Williams is going to be the guy. We, we've, we've, we've encountered Devontae Parker lingering issues before. I don't know if this hamstring's going to go away this season. I wish it would because we saw how amazing he could be. But I think you're better off if Preston Williams is out there on waivers. Pick him up. Like, he got seven targets this game. Obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick likes him. He, Preston Williams had at least six targets in every single game last year, except for week one that he played before he tore his ACL. So we know Fitzpatrick likes him. He's going to get targets. They're going to be playing from behind. Preston Williams is the wide receiver you want in Miami. Now, I have a very serious question for you. Okay, all right, hit me. Is Washington good, or are the Eagles just terrible? Well, you know, the the Washington running back room is a mess, and their quarterback is okay, but my god, their front seven on defense is, is a force to be reckoned with. I mean, they they took a little bit to get going, but man, they, they knocked... They knocked the bejesus out of the, uh, granted, a very injured um, Philadelphia Eagles offensive line. But if this proves anything to me, it's that, God, if one running back can emerge, and we thought it was going to be Antonio Gibson, but then Peyton Barber all of a sudden is running wild, like, who knows? But if Antonio Gibson, who we know has the talent, can take over this backfield... He will have a lot of opportunities if the Washington defense can hold other teams to look to not score. That was very elegant. I know, but so I mean, outside of outside of the backfield, the, the Redskins. Oh, they're not. They're they're not. They're not that anymore. I can't say that. No, you can't. That is that is an extremely offensive term. And we are definitively not saying that because that is not their team name anymore. You're absolutely right. I am so sorry. Um, I will be better. You take the rest of this. Okay. So their pass catchers, like we thought that Terry McLaurin was going to be the guy. Logan Thomas, their tight end, had more targets than Terry McLaurin. So yes, you can say like, oh, maybe we we take a little shot at Logan Thomas if you're in like a 12 or 14 team league and are really looking for a tight end. But also, maybe Haskins is just going to spread it around. Like, Haskins was not terrible in this game by any means. He certainly wasn't fantasy relevant, but he didn't turn the ball over, so that's something. So you have a promising start for this Washington football team. And 
I, you know, I think they are they are certainly a team to look at. Now, as far as the Eagles go, yeah, no, I, I don't even know what to think about the Eagles. Like, is Carson Wentz a good quarterback? Like, he has proven on multiple occasions that he is both, like, the best quarterback in the NFL and the absolute worst quarterback in the NFL. And I think we're going to see a lot more of the worst Carson Wentz at least until Lane Johnson is back. And speaking of Lane Johnson in that offensive line, you cannot trust a single one of these running backs until they get their offensive line put together. Even if Miles Sanders comes back next week, I would have trouble starting him. And it is why I have zero shares of him in any of my fantasy teams because you don't have any fantasy teams. So how could you have any shares of Miles Sanders? Well, I have your fantasy teams. And I have, you have no shares of Miles Sanders for that reason. You are absolutely right. Also, like, I think they're going to be a committee even when Miles Sanders is healthy. We are going to take a very, very quick break for a live read from our episode sponsors. Ninjas. 20% off with the promo code SVS. Ninjas. Shh. That's the live read? Yeah, that's all it says on the on the paper. What what do the ninjas do? I I don't I don't know. I think that's I think that's kind of what they're going for. Well, that's Yeah, I, well, if you need ninjas, they didn't give us a website either. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's that's, that's actually kind of terrifying. Um so uh, ninjas, if you want ninja, you can get 20% off ninjas. Just use our promo code. All right, Jacksonville, if you drafted Gardner Minshew in the first round of your fantasy draft, like we advised you, question mark, if you wanted free beer, you might be feeling pretty good right now. Gardner Minshew had the best completion percentage in football this week. And he also had the third best quarterback rating behind Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. Like, he beat Aaron Rodgers as far as quarterback rating goes. So, like, hey, there you go. Gardner Minshew. Now, he didn't score nearly as many fantasy points as Aaron Rodgers, but 20 fantasy points. He, he, he scored over 20 fantasy points, and that is more than respectable for a quarterback. And the Indianapolis Colts were not supposed to be a bad team this year. So that is extremely promising if you happen to be uh, a Gardner Minshew investor in your leagues. And and he, he also spread it around. But I don't necessarily think that this is a case where that's a bad thing per se. Like, they're going to be passing the ball a lot. Uh, DJ Chark... Still got his touchdown. He he didn't have a, an amazing fantasy day like you would have wanted with hearing Gardner Minshew throw three touchdowns. But Keelan Cole also got one. And then LaVishka, LaVishka Chenault Jr. There we go. You really, you, you just, you only go for the, for the players with good names. Like you just do this podcast to say names. You're absolutely right, I do. So not really much to say there. Just... If you drafted Gardner Minshew in the first round of your fantasy draft, you don't completely hate yourself. Moving on to the Chargers. Now, this is actually very important because 
I know because we have a share of Austin Eckler. Thank you for saying we. I know. So we are not worried about Austin Eckler. Like, are you kidding me? If you told me that this guy would have 19 carries, I would be freaking thrilled. He had 19 carries for 84 yards. That is amazing. Now he only had one target. What's up with that? I don't get it. But remember, back in 2016, Tyrod Taylor made LaShawn McCoy the number three running back in fantasy. Oh, and you might say Josh Kelly is stealing some of his some of his touches, particularly goal line touches. Austin Eckler had the ball. He was running the ball until they got to that point. He had run the ball a few times in a row to get them inside the five-yard line or right to the five-yard line. And then Joshua Kelly just finished it up. I am not worried about Joshua Kelly taking all of Austin Eckler's production. It's just, it's not going to happen. Austin Eckler will have better days. There was someone else that you wanted to talk about, actually. Yes, because I'm actually a little bit worried about Keenan Allen, only because I was watching this game, and Mike Williams is like DeAndre Hopkins 2.0. This guy catches everything that comes his way. Now, half the time he falls out of bounds when he does it, but he catches the ball. And Tyrod Taylor is going to throw a lot of jump balls his way, and a lot of those are going to be in the end zone. I don't know how many touchdown passes Keenan Allen is going to catch. Like, like, wh- like what you were talking about with DK DK Metcalf earlier. I think Mike Williams is that guy, and he's going to be getting a lot of these end zone targets. It's never a great idea to chase touchdowns, but if you're going to, Mike Williams might not be a bad pickup. All right, we're going to wrap this up with some quick hitters. Uh, For the Bengals, Joe Mixon, buy him if you can. Trade him, um, like trade Raheem Mostert for Joe Mixon. I mean, if you take away that one long uh, touchdown reception, Raheem Mostert only got 10.9 fantasy points, and that, that backfield is only going to get more crowded once Tevin Coleman gets a full load of snaps. Now, as far as Arizona goes... I think that Christian Kirk is going to be someone you want to own. DeAndre is going to start getting double covered like he was in Houston, and I don't think Kyler Murray is going to force feed him the ball quite like Deshaun Watson did. Christian Kirk in the slot is going to have value. For the Cowboys, I wouldn't be worried, Michael Gallup owners. I don't think that C.D. Lamb has overtaken Michael Gallup by any means. I know they want to get C.D. the ball, and with Jarwin out, he might have those opportunities, but Gallup has a better day than C.D. Lamb if they don't call that kind of BS OPI at the end of the game. And just a reminder, Tony Pollard is very clearly the most important handcuff in the game. They used him in the run game. They used him in the passing game. If Ezekiel Elliott goes down, Tony Pollard will have that entire role to himself. Are you done hitting quickly? Because we got to wrap this thing up. Yes, I am. Perfect timing. Take today, put in those waiver claims, grab everyone you need, grab Benny Snell, trade for Joe Mixon, get your league one. Good advice. Now, goodbye, everybody. Uh, Yes. All right. You'll hear from us soon. Thanks, y'all.